everybody. Chris Scott on the mic for Dinger for Three. Mike Bernardo should be joining me at any moment. I also put the Zoom link invite out there to a couple of our other co-hosts. Emmanuel Bobawadi will not be joining us today. We're going to talk World Series as well as what can the New York Yankees and the New York Mets learn from the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Tampa Bay Rays. I got a lot on my mind right now. I'm going to air it out. We're also going to talk a little football, dive into the Giants, into the Jets, and ay ay ay, the drama, the drama with those two teams. Le'Veon Bell off the team, the Giants finally winning a game. Oh, boy. All right. So I want to start off with the thing I am most passionate about here, the New York Yankees. Um, and I'm going to wait for Bernie to get on. I'm going to try to avoid talking about the Mets until I have him because I know he's going to bring more to the table. He is the avid Met fan. I am the avid Yankee fan. I just watched a couple of videos on YouTube about MLB Network's coverage of the World Series, and they were talking about how did the Rays get this far? How do they do it? You know, it's they've put some team together over the last two decades. When you think about it, to have such limited financial resources and to find a way to win so many games, they had to sacrifice a lot to do it. Yeah. They, they did not win every single year. They had some pretty bad years. They, they, but a couple years ago when they out of nowhere, won the 90 something games in a year and they got put on the map and the hiring of Kevin cash and how he thinks a brilliant point was made up by one of the analysts that the manager does not do nothing. The manager is very important. I think what's made baseball become stale and has hope for being refreshing is this new approach that Kevin cash has with his team. One of the things that I love about college sports is that you can't rely on one player to bring you to the title year in and year out. You have to constantly develop talent and you have to have a backup next man up. You have to have that mentality. Oh, look at this. We do have Emmanuel Bobawade joining us. He is here. I mean, there's no one in my, there's no one in the gym right now. So I'm able to do this. You might as well join. So, Amanda, right now we're talking about, I'm actually talking about um, how the Yankees and how the Mets can learn from the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And you can comment on this, even though you're not really, really into baseball. It's the idea of the development of teams in any team sport. What the Rays have brought to the table is they have one of the lowest budgets in baseball. They have a 25, the 25th lowest budget, but they're all about putting together matchups they're all about having two sets of lineups not relying on the same guys day in and day out one MLB analyst said that the reason why the New England Patriots were so good year in and year out under Bill Belichick is because Bill Belichick doesn't make a lineup of just starters he relies on instead he makes a starting lineup based off of the weaknesses of his opponent as a sports fan, Emmanuel, how do you feel about that approach in the future? And the idea that teams, they may not rely on the same starters every single day to win games. They may instead adapt a new approach where they're going to focus on matchups more. Well, I, I never understood why big money teams don't do that, especially since you can afford to have two lineups. For the smaller guys, I get it. You don't have the money to get the big ballers, get those guys, so you got to do what you got to do. But as money ball has taught us anything, you got to put the best team out there that you can. And if you have the money to put two sets of players on the team, why, don't, why, why wouldn't you do that? I don't understand what, what baseball problem is. But, like, even in other sports, is there, like, with what Belichick does, I mean, look at the amount of running backs he has, for example. Look at the amount of receivers that the guy has. The really, the only constant that the Patriots had was their offensive line, their quarterback, 
and that's it. Everything else was a rotation. Am I right or am I wrong? No, that's pretty accurate. You know, they're, they're going to go based off of matchups. They're going to exploit the weaknesses and double down on it. I think this, I think this, this would definitely work for baseball and probably football. I'm not sure how this would go in, like, say, like a basketball setting. Yeah, I'm not sure how basketball will work because it is only five on five and having having yeah, one or two superstars on your team is a real, real difference maker. The, the team with the best player to win nine, nine times out of ten like in, in basketball. Like it doesn't like I don't think Moneyball Moneyball wouldn't work. <laughs> in basketball it wouldn't matter how scrappy or what kind of like wonky things you were trying to do. Basketball is real. Just I'm gonna shoot this three in your face often. So one of the things that the MLB Network team did was they showed what the Yankees lineup was back in 2009 versus what it is now. Uh, and Mike Bernard is going to be here in a few more minutes. He's actually grading tests. He's a school teacher, by the way. For those that don't know. Yeah, nerd. <laughs> but he, they, um, they showed the Yankees team back in 2009. And if you look at the lineup, it had righty, lefty, righty, lefty, switch, lefty, switch, lefty, switch, righty. And they, they did not have a billion right-handed hitters. They did not just have guys who were starters that are going to be out there every single day. Because when you do that, not only do you have to deal with getting taken advantage of when a right-handed pitcher is pitching because the right-handed hitter normally struggles picking up the breaking ball from a right-handed pitcher. But if you have the same guys go out there every single day, and this is the same way with any sport, really, eventually the pro scouts are going to pick up on it. They're going to find your weakness and use it against you and execute a game plan. Whereas if you shake it up, Mike Bernard is joining us now. If you shake up the lineup every single day and you try to outsmart your opponent, that's it brings another element to the game. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that in the future. Mike Bernardo is here. What's up, Mike? Well, well, look who it is, me. Yeah, it's you. You're pretty you're pretty low. You better uh, I need you to talk a little closer to the computer. All right, let me get my head. Yeah, you're you're pretty low. Definitely low. So, uh, Mike, just to keep you in the loop, you can hear me right now, right? Yes. Okay. So what we're talking about right now is, and this is not just a baseball topic now that Emmanuel's here, but I want to focus on what can the Yankees and the Mets learn from both the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers. And we're really talking about how the Rays, if you look at their team on paper, you're like, okay, this team can't win because you don't know any big names. They don't have everyday players. They focus on matchups. They have a lineup for they, – they have a, a right-handed hitting lineup and a left-handed hitting lineup. They're constantly playing matchups. And Kevin Cash, as the manager, is really changing the game with how hands-on he is with adjusting the game plan day in and day out and not just relying on the same players every single day. Similar to Bill Belichick and the Patriots, how he's always adjusting the receivers, the running backs, the defense. The only constant in football for the Bill Belichick's Patriots is who the quarterback is and what the offensive line is. That's it. But with basketball, you can't really have that approach. Or can you? Do you have an argument against that? Um, well, I think in basketball, there's only five positions that you play or rather five players that you use at a time. Yeah. So it may be a little harder in that aspect, but you can, you know, like a lot of teams are playing small ball now, like maybe that you're not really uh, putting out a true center. Maybe you'll put some wings, all three wings. You could have four wings and a guard, you know, more and more big men are bringing up the ball. Look at uh, Ben Simmons. He's like a point forward. It's I like, guess what, that's six, true. It's like six, nine, six, 10 or something like that. But it's not like that's uncommon. Like Magic Johnson was six ten, I think, or six foot nine as a point guard. So basketball, it's just it's not the same traditional point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward, center anymore. And it's it's more like a blended mix, like a, all five positions are kind of like meshed together. Yeah, I I want to think that even in basketball the team that is the best overall team, the best overall unit that works together. I want to think that even in basketball, that's the team that's going to end up winning at the end of the day, not just the team filled with superstars. 
it's going to come down to performance and production at the end of the day or, the, or at the end of the series. I guess you, if you're a basketball team, you could formulate a lineup that is a counter to your opponent's lineup. So I guess if they have a, if team A is facing a team that they know they don't shoot a lot of threes, even though every team shoots threes now, but they don't shoot a lot of threes. They're big guys. They, they play in the paint more, but they're slow. So then you could create a lineup that's fast and shoots threes. Um, whereas if they're a team that is filled with these fast guys, but they're not that big, you can come up with a lineup that counters that. You don't have to necessarily rely on the starters every single minute. But when, what me and Emmanuel were talking about earlier was that with basketball, if you have two superstars, you start them and you're more than likely going to be very tough to beat. Yeah, if you have two superstars and you start them, you build the other three positions around those two guys. Right. So, yeah, that, that, that's the way to so go. I think basketball, it's a little harder to, to have a, uh, these new types of mentalities with strategy because there's only five positions on the floor. Whereas football and basketball, you have what? Uh, how many at one time on offense? Football, you have 11. You have 11, 11 players on offense, 11 players on defense. So it's a little, you know, a little more, um, uh, more to play with. And same with baseball, too. Especially, well, you know what? Baseball, I feel like it's more, you know, we talked about it with the lineups, but I feel like it's more with pitching, too. With these no-name guys, a lot of the strategy now is with pitching. A lot of it is with pitching, but what Kevin Cash is able to do is he his lineup every single day looks different because he's facing a different pitcher every day. Yeah, so it's all about the matchups. Like basketball is you can do some different matchups with different lineups, but it's not as diverse. So I guess the, the point that I want to make is what what is it that the Yankees and the Mets can learn from the Rays and the Dodgers? The Dodgers are the Rays just with a lot more money, whereas the Rays are arguably the best team in baseball at developing talent and using the data available to them. You can't really argue against it. They, they don't have a player on that team that everyone knows, except for maybe Blake Snell, since you want to Cy Young. That's pretty much it. I mean, there's still people learning about Tyler Glass now. They don't have an offensive player that is like, oh, this guy's coming to the plate. A Rosarina is hot, but he's not that superstar yet. He's yeah, developing he's into it. He's barely a rookie. He's, yeah, I mean, he's batting third, and he was a nobody a year ago. Austin Meadows, yeah, he's a big, he's supposed to be great, but he's not a superstar yet. They don't have any superstars, but they're relying on their depth and their matchups to make it happen. So if you're the New York Yankees and you're the New York Mets, I think especially talking to Yankee fans right now, I think what we have to do is we're going to have to accept and pretty much call for a changing in offseason strategy. Signing the big name player, signing the big name, that doesn't solve the October problem. You need depth in October because there's going to be times where a hitter that you rely on is going to be cold and everyone should be replaceable. Everyone in the lineup should be replaceable because you can't have a dud out there. You can't, you can't like, Especially in baseball, you can have an ace of spades type of player, like a Mike Trout, I guess. But if he's not contributing, he's in a cold, uh, he's in a cold streak. You can't force him to bat third. That's going to hurt your team. You got to go with the hot hand. You got to be able to stomach it. Yeah, but you don't bench Mike Trout. You don't bench Mike Trout, but you know he what? Nothing for but wins. If, but if Mike, Trout, if Mike Trout's going, he's 0 for 40 in the postseason. Do you bench Mike Trout? Yes. You have to. You know, you have to. That's a bit extreme to 0 for 40. I mean, yeah, listen, it's possible, but that's that's something that I don't believe to be very realistic. Let's let's think about that. If a superstar player is batting under 100, you know, and it's game seven, and he's used to batting third. Maybe move him in the lineup. I don't know about taking him out of it. 
my the point is though is that I think the idea of relying on everyday players and saying you're the starter no matter what, I think that it, it just it plays against the modern day game with the amount of data there is on these hitters and the scouting reports. Weaknesses get exploited. They just do. The, and the more and more people see you and scouts see you, they know how to pitch to you. But if you design a team that does not have the same guys taking the field every single day, that is the better way to go. It's more confusing. It's more difficult. This is why guys like Mike Talkman and Mike Ford last year were so good for the Yankees. They didn't play that much, but when they did, they performed. And then when they tried to rely on them as starters this year, cats out of the bag. They knew how to pitch to them. They're lefties. They have their weaknesses. They had an off season and a half to figure out how to pitch to them. And they sucked and they did nothing for them in the postseason. They were, I don't even think they were on the postseason roster, but as for the Mets. Well, yeah, speak for yourself. You said the Mets and Yankees have October problems. The Mets don't have October problems. Come on now. The Mets have getting to October problems. Yeah, well, they have. They don't have October problems. You know, we're we're all sitting here watching a World Series together, Chris. Yeah, I know. I mean, but what was, didn't, I, you I, make, didn't you guys just make a World Series like a few years ago? Yeah, they Five. made the they made the World Series two thousand fifteen. Yeah, that was a fluke. Let's face it, a fluke. Let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. How about, Teams how? that are consistently good, at least for a string of two or three years, show some sort of consistency. They lost in the wild card playoffs the next year. And they haven't gone anywhere near the playoffs since then. You know, these teams, these type of teams that are, you had know, one good year, they had the, went to the World Series. And then they couldn't capitalize on anything after that, not even losing in a division series close after that in, in a, maybe a championship series. Like, look at teams like the Braves and the Cubs. Or the Brewers. You know, they, they have, uh, you know, granted, they all haven't made the World Series in a few years but they're consistently putting up good games and good numbers each year. All right. So I'm looking at this Mets 2015 roster, right? I'm seeing this is the infield, right? Kevin Plowecki was the catcher. Uh, Travis Dono at one point. He was Travis hurt for a bit. one point. Okay. Lucas Duda at first, Daniel Murphy at second, Wilmer Flores at short, Right. Third base was uh, was it Eric Campbell or was it someone else? Well, they put David right there in the World Series. He okay. came back with late August, and they had um, okay. Daniel Murphy sure. second. Yeah. So David Wright, uh, they, they, they should David Wright have been there? Was he was he hitting the at the level? Series? Was he hitting he at the level? Yeah, he he had a pretty good numbers. I'm looking yeah. at numbers, yeah, yeah, but pretty he came good. back late middle of August, and they put him on the playoff roster. All right, so Michael Kadir, Juan Lagares, Curtis Granderson. That's was that the outfield? They had you on this. They had Yohan Cespedes, okay. They had Juan Uribe, uh, what's his name, Kelly Johnson. They had a couple guys they traded at the deadline. They made trades. They made trades. They found their weaknesses. They filled, they filled them up. And they, they had up, pitching. Uh, That's the biggest yeah, thing. They, they had pitching. They had Harvey. They had Harvey, who had a good comeback year from Tommy John the year before. They had DeGrom, who was, you know, he just won the rookie of the year the year before that, and he was pitching pretty well. Syndergaard came up that year. No, Syndergaard, I think, came up the year before that, or whatever the case. He came up one of those years, 15, I think it was, and he was hot. He was throwing gas up and in. They had Bartolo. They had Bartolo Colon, who they used out of the bullpen, John Neese out of the bullpen, Steven Matz. I think uh, if, you, if you're going to be a competitive team, you have to have the starting rotation. And the Mets had the starting rotation that year. They were able to limit runs. That's what got them far. I don't think it was a fluke. I think they had a really good team. That, think- you know, no, no, no. What I'm saying was that that year, no, I wasn't saying that it was a fluke for them to make the World Series. It's just them okay. with consistently consistency those next few years, the years in between. 2015, yeah, they had a good team. They got hot after the deadline. They were, you know, their starting pitching was starting to come together. These young guys that we were also hyped about. Uh, their hitting was coming really well. You want to assess, but it was just on a fucking tear. Daniel Murphy had one of the best playoff runs ever in the history of baseball. So all those things, you put that all together, and you're going to have uh, some sort of run until they fucking start. Bullpen, they blew three saves in the World Series. Oh, uh, I thought it was four. Uh, no, well, they won one. Oh, okay. I think they 
either three or four they blew. Well, no. Yeah, three or four they blew in like the seventh inning on. And like they were blown saves. And Familia had, I think, three of them. Aye, aye, aye. So what do you think, Mike? What do you think about the Rays approach? Would you would you prefer that type of approach where every single day you're not exactly sure what the lineup is going to look like or who's going to start? Would you be comfortable with that? Well, I think if you don't have a big name like that who you know can always hit lefties, hit righties, and, and like a solidified star, like look at the Yankees. They got Judge Stanton. Look at the Dodgers. They got Bellinger, Bet. Those guys, you don't really try to maneuver. Oh, we'll take him out of the lineup today because this matchup uh, is better for somebody suited on the bench. You know, you know what? what I mean? Here's what I'll do. I, I, I would not start Judge against guys that throw good sliders because he can't hit sliders. I'll have Judge start against everyone else, but if I know that I'm facing a pitcher with a really good slider, I don't want Judge in the lineup because he strikes out too much. He doesn't contribute. It's one thing to beat up on really bad pitching and and like a really bad team. It's one thing. But when you're in the playoffs, you have to go by matchups. And as good as Aaron Judge is, if he's if he has to go up against a guy who has a nasty slider, I don't think he should be batting second at the very like you don't have to start. You, you don't have to bench him, but he should not be batting second if he's going up against a pitcher that throws the single most difficult pitch for him to hit because he's going to get out. And what did Judge do this postseason? He sucked. He hit some home runs. He came through once in a while, but there were a number of times where he could have put the ball in play and he couldn't because he's too big of a power hitter, too big of a swinger. He hit some, he hit some dingers. He hit some bombs. The home run is sexy. It's great. It's wonderful. But you got to come through in the moment. And the best, uh, the best chance for a team to come through in a moment is by playing the proper matchup. So what I'm putting on the table here is I think Yankee fans need to accept and expect some star players that they're used to seeing in the everyday lineup. They should not be on the team next year. Yeah. They belong on another team. Yeah. Yankees need left-handed hitters. Their entire infield is right-handed hitters. Glaber Torres is a great hitter. He's a righty. He's a terrible fielder, but he's playing shortstop for the Yankees. What are you going to do? You're going to move. You can't move. You can't move Torres to second because then what do you do with Lemayu? You have to keep Lemayu. Well, Lemayu would leave and go somewhere else. He he wants to be a Yankee. You can't let him go. He's their most valuable player because oh, he field and because he can hit the ball. He can put it in play. Well, y'all better get the trade in. Yeah, that's what we got to do. We got to make some trades. We got to wheel and deal. I'm okay with giving up fan favorite type of talent if I'm getting a fair return. If it's going to well, make my problem is that he also can't stay on the field. Whether well, it's that's hitting. That's another thing. That's another that. issue, which is why he'd probably, it, it would probably make more sense. I know this is crazy because on a regular season, he could hit. You know, if he's healthy, he could hit 50 home runs. He literally did that his rookie year. But maybe a situation where he's more of not an every single day type of player. Maybe he plays 60% of the games. Maybe you save him for the right matchups. You know, you, you, you build a team that way. You have a bunch of guys that are perfect for the right matchups. That makes sense. I think the Rays have seven right-handed hitters and seven left-handed hitters. The Yankees are forced to bat some of their triple-A left-handed hitters in the middle of, of their lineup because they don't have left-handed hitters. Like, for some reason, Mike Ford was batting fourth. Mike Ford was batting fourth. Mike Ford was designated for assignment by the Yankees a couple years ago. The Mariners picked him up. And the Mariners were like, we don't know what to do with him, so you can have him back. The Yankees took him back, put him in the minors, and then brought him up when someone got hurt. He had a he had a couple home runs, and they're like, oh, this is the guy. He's our left-handed bat. They're so desperate for a left-handed hitter. They had Mike Ford that fourth. And two weeks go by where Mike Talkman looks like the best player in baseball. 
and his name is Mike T. And dumb Yankee fans are comparing him to Mike Trout with the way he's playing just because he's a lefty. Yep, Yankee fans, some of them are pretty dumb. Oh, to be some of them are the dumbest on the planet. I'll be the first to admit it. <laughs> Listen, I know some Mets fans are stupid too, but, you know, it goes both ways. I mean, man. Ay, ay, ay. I'm saying you keep Giro Urshela because he can field. Third base, untouchable. You keep LeMayo at second base. Great fielder. Great hitter. Untouchable. You got to keep those two. Glaber, I don't know what to do with. Voight, I don't know what to do with. They didn't produce in the postseason. He's a right-handed hitter. He's a power hitter. He's not a great fielder. You can find power anywhere. You can find the matchup anywhere. I'd rather G-Man Choi's a left-handed power hitter. He's a first baseman. Yankees had him. They didn't know what to do with him. He's a left-handed hitter. They got rid of him. Well, I don't know why. Judge, great fielder, so you got to keep him too. But he has his woes. Maybe he doesn't belong in the top of the lineup. Aaron Hicks is forced on that team because he's a switch hitter and a great fielder. So, okay, fine. You keep him. Left field, you got a problem. You don't know what you're going to do with Gardner. You got Clint Frazier, but he's another righty. Miguel Andohar, another righty. Gary Sanchez, get him out of town. He can't feel. He's a catcher that can't catch. It's yeah, ridiculous. You know I think it's getting uh, it's old with him now. Yeah, it's it, it, enough's enough. I'm sure. I hope the Mets don't look after him. I, I'm reading some they shouldn't be. reports. Well, I do, you know what? It depends on if they do the designated hitter rule. If that's permanent, which I think it will be, if it's permanent, then the Yankees have more to deal with because I think Gary Sanchez moving forward, you got to position him to a team that is desperate for power and they have a DH spot open. I think he could yeah, find success. Say, that you got to use that DH spot with Judge or Stanton. Yeah, we can't have them anymore. Yeah, they're even in the lineups. We can't have them anymore. And, the, and Stanton, oh my God, during the postseason, amazing. Thank God he did well. Thank God he did well. Otherwise, I would say we got to find a way to get rid of this guy. He did well in the postseason. So now I'm forced to say we have to keep him because he could just take over and hit bombs. Thank God for Giancarlo Stanton because where would the Yankees lineup be in the postseason without him? I don't know. I don't know. I know I've been ranting a lot about the Yankees. I just had to get all that off my chest because I'm looking at the Tampa Bay Rays with the 25th lowest payroll in baseball. They've made the World Series. They barely beat the Yankees, mind you. So that's one thing. But at the end of the day, the Rays had a better roster equipped to play a seven-game series. And I guess what really hurt the Yankees was they had no Luis Severino and they had no James Paxton. I was going to say that starting pitching after Cole really wasn't much. Yeah. Has not been what we all thought he'd be. Again, it, it it comes down to having the depth. It comes down to having the depth, but not having the depth filled with superstars that have to play every day. Trade a superstar, get a few bead level players that won't mind playing half the season. That's not the Yankee way, man. It's all these, all these stars, man. Well, and that got rebranded because the Yankee way was winning. And the Yankees haven't been winning. So exactly. The Yankee way has been winning. So the idea of the Yankee way is getting stars. That was brought to the table by George Steinbrenner, who would have ruined the Yankees' 90s, uh, the, the, the dynasty they had in the 90s. George Steinbrenner wanted to trade away a player named Mariano Rivera and Jorge Posada for this Detroit Tigers pitcher named David Wells in 1995. Didn't he wind up coming back anyway? David Wells year? did end up going to the Yankees anyway because yeah, I was gonna say. George Steinbrenner was obsessed with him. At that time, George Steinbrenner, back in the late 80s, he hired someone to dig up dirt on Dave Winfield in a way to try to get out of a massive contract. That gave Dave Winfield some bad blood with him. I think Steinbrenner yeah. got suspended from baseball. He wasn't allowed to participate in ownership capabilities. And the general manager for the Yankees was like, listen, I think his name is George Michael. I think George Michael was the GM for the Yankees and Cashman was his assistant. George Michael told George Steinbrenner, hey, bro, I get you're the owner and all, but you can't participate in trades. It's my call. You can't do that. Develop young talent, bring them up, make matchups happen. No one should have an ego where they start every day because once you do that, you start losing. I mean, you look at the you look at the Yankees from 2001 to 2008. It's exactly what happened. Even their coaching staff. Joe Torre was busy 
making bets with Don Zimmer on horse racing before games. Wasn't even concerned about the lineup. This is literally what happens. Reported. This is what they would do. They had all these veterans that held all these rings and all this money. They didn't need to win anymore. They just needed to go out and do their nine to five job. Put on the suit. Okay. Hit some balls. Go home. I won already. What do I have to do? I'm done ranting. I'm done ranting about the Yankees. What all right. You, well, you know what? It's the new off season and they just, the uh, ownership committee approved Steve Cohen's purchase of the Mets now pending a uh, 23 out of 30, uh, well, 23 out of 29, right? The one owner would vote yes for the Mets anyway, right? It's him. Right. Assuming that Fred Wilpon would say yes. So yeah, that's one step closer to a new ownership group in New York. Get the Wilpons out. Very excited about that. What's the first order of business for the Mets? Or should I say, what's what's Steve Cohen's first order of business? Um, man, I don't know. I keep thinking, I don't know about signing Rio Milko, man. I, really I think fire Brody Van Wagen. Oh well, oh that. I don't think you took about with it. I hate him. <laughs> I hate Brody Van Wagen, and I hope that as soon as he gets the ownership vote, like he sees, you know, even if they do like thumbs up, which they're not going to do, but. Whatever the case, he sees the 22nd thumbs up. He just calls him on speed dial because he knows it's coming. Click. You're out of here. And he hangs up. Boom. I hope that that instant. But, of course, that won't happen. But it's just one can dream, right? I really hope that they get rid of him. I hate him. Looks like um, social media had some talks about a, um, so I guess someone proposed a Francisco Lindor trade. Are you aware of this? Yeah, I don't know, man. I think they'd want too much. Ahmed Rosario, J.D. Davis, and Brett Beatty. Nope. Keep Brett Beatty, man. You got to keep some farm system. It's ridiculous. Keep J.D. Davis. Keep J.D. Davis. You know what? Keep all of them. Keep all of them. You got depth there. You got good players. There's they good players there. They, Lowry. they may not be and superstars, but... Shit. They don't have to be superstars. They may not be superstars. They don't have to be. They have to know their role. They have to contribute when they're in the lineup. And they don't have to be in the lineup every single day. Those are good guys. I, I think you you bring in a superstar. I think I think we can expect that. I think we can expect uh, Mr. Cohen to come in, put his money bag on the table, get the top guy who's a free agent. Trevor Bauer. I think I think he could bring in Trevor Bauer. Yeah, but for one year. I think yeah, well, he's gonna do it. I think he, I think he could bring in Trevor Bauer. And I don't more. know about yeah. Well, he's got all the money in the world. He's got to make trades though. You can't just rely let's on. Say he's really gonna um. Let's say he's really gonna try to look for uh, analytics too. Really beef up that analytics department. I think they have like three or four people. Well, they have to. Yeah, which most teams have like a whole department. They have like three guys. As long as they do like the the Rays approach to analytics, because I think the Yankees approach to analytics, it's not proving to be right. The Yankees apparently have like one of the deepest analytical teams, but I, I mean, what I'm seeing is I, I don't, not I don't right. like what I'm seeing. I don't see a performance. I, I Get better nerds in there. Get better nerds. Yeah, well, they keep saying the nerds got to stop with the. There's got to be some sort of happy meeting. What was A Rod saying the other day? The guys, uh, I forgot what exactly he was saying, but he was alluding to the guys in the analytics department got to stop managing the team. Something along those lines. I could be totally wrong, but it was something to that sense. Well, I mean, A Rod's smart. He knows baseball, obviously. He's one of the brightest minds in baseball, despite sometimes he just says things that just make you go, what the, what, what did he say? But you'd look at the way, instead of making the lineups every day based off of numbers, I think you also have to take a look at, okay, how fast does this guy throw? How does he, oh, one of the other things the Rays do, if you, if you, if you paid attention to how they manage their bullpen not only did they bring guys in that were righty lefty, they brought in guys that threw hard, threw soft, threw sidearm, threw overhand, threw sidearm, different arm angles. They got to another level. 
think outside the box. Analytics is important. Like the numbers that you produce is important, but focus on how does this guy hit? Is he a lefty? Is he a righty? Is he a switch hitter? Has this guy pitch? What does he throw? We don't want the same. We don't want the same type of player filling each position because then we will get exploited. So if Steve Cohen's going to go into analytics, he better get the right analytics because he can make a big mistake just bringing in a big name and making the same mistakes from the past. Well, we'll just wait and see, and that's the best part of it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I can see him trying to get a guy like Lindor taking the headlines. He wants to be aggressive, and I, I wish the Mets all the luck in the world. Really, I do. Um, they got some young players that are good. I just, I can't, I can't, I can't figure out why they struggle year in and year out. It's a voodoo curse. It's a voodoo curse. Okay. Of the do- of the Wilpons. I was just going to say the Dolans because, you know. Let's uh, transition to football as we approach the uh, last quarter of the show. Emmanuel, you said that the Tennessee Titans were the best team in football. Yeah. Are you standing by that statement? Are you saying they are better than NFL.com's rankings of the Kansas City Chiefs at one, the Steelers at two? Kansas City Chiefs can't run the ball. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire just did well against the Bills. And they got Le'Veon Bell. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 26 carries and 161 yards. Against the Bills. Did you see? Can you tell me his stats from the previous games before that? Yeah, they weren't as good. Oh, okay then. Which would, you, would you take? Would you, would you take? A, would you take a layer or would you take Derrick Henry? Would I play what? Would, would I take Lair or Henry? Oh, yeah. Hen- Henry. Would you take Bell or Henry? Henry. Okay. I mean, I. I did was Henry available when I was drafting at five? He probably was. No, I took him at, at four. Oh, you took him at four. Okay. Oh no, wait. I took him. No, no, no. He was. I took him at eight. Oh, I could have I had Henry. No, I took him. I don't know why I said four. I had like I, I, I think I did not draft Henry because I did not want him for a third year in a row. Uh-huh. Kind of regret him. it. He's a beast. Yeah, I took him. I took him eighth. Did you see that stiff arm he had against the Texans? That was dirty. Oh my god! He just threw the guy down. So you're saying, Emmanuel, that the Titans are the best team in football because of Derrick Henry? I'm saying they're the best team in football because they can run the ball, they can pass the ball, and their defense is decent enough. Ryan Tannehill doesn't. Ryan Tannehill doesn't turn the ball over. You can't. I don't care who your quarterback is. If he can't get on the if he can't get on the field because they're running the clock out, what what does it matter? Let's take a look at the teams that the Titans have beaten because I'm not even aware. I think I, I was high in the Titans entering um, two years ago. I saw some nice signs. As long as Derrick Henry was able to get the ball rolling, I was high in them last year entering the season. Now I'm happy it's all coming together. Let's see. They beat the Broncos. The Broncos suck. They beat the Jaguars. The Jaguars suck. They beat the Vikings. The Vikings suck. The Bills are good. They blew them out 42 to 16. The Texans, the Texans are a weird team. Their record is worse than I think that they are, but they beat them 42 to 36. So, okay. The Titans have a, they have a couple, they, they have a good win. They have beaten one good team, the bills. Well, let's back up. Let's backtrack. We're going to find, you know what? We're going to find out this Sunday, how good they are because they're playing the Steelers. Fine. It's a one o'clock game. Titans Steelers potential playoff matchup. Huge game. That's the two versus three. Who wins? Uh, I don't know because honestly, as a a Steelers fan, and then with this, I don't know. What? Who's at home? They were playing the Titans? Did not know this. (laughs) Are you you worried now? Not really worried. I just, I don't have a response. I don't have a, I don't have a response to this. (laughs) Are are you going to make sure you pay attention to that game? Uh, I'll I'll watch it. It's an important game. Actually, I lied. I'll, 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 be, I'll be drunk coming from brunch. I'll, I'll probably, I won't. <laughs> I am focused on a couple weeks, Colts-Titans. The oh. Colts play the Titans on the 12th, and then on my birthday, the 29th. Ooh, that's fun. 
I feel like you. I feel like you're worried about that game. Worried? I'm hyped. We have a chance to take a division. Now nah, with, with Philip Rivers. Well, no, but I can still have hope. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't stand Philip Rivers. Can't. Um, can't. He gave the Jaguars that win in Week One. Oh, disgusting! They should be four. They should be five and one right now. But instead, they're yet. Terrible. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Titans have given up 126 points. That's one of the best in the league. They've scored 164. That's decent. Okay. Well, let's go through, let's go through these power rankings. Manuel, you tell me what sucks. Um, Chiefs one, Steelers two, Titans three, Ravens four, Seahawks five. Cool? Yeah, I'm sure. All right. The hype train is here for the Buccaneers. After beating the Packers, they're now at six. Why? Packers are down to seven. Bills are down to eight. Rams are down to nine. And the Saints remain at 10. Move every team up and move the, and move the Bucks to the 10th division. So the Buccaneers went up six spots after beating the Packers. Yeah, move them, move them to ten and move everyone off out. Bears at eleven. Garbage team. They're five and one though. <laughs> Nichols garbage. They they have games against the Rams, Saints, and Titans coming up. Who are twelve and four combined? So we'll we're gonna learn about the Bears real soon. The mm. Patriots are two and three, and they're ranked twelfth. I mean, Corona. I don't I don't know what to think of that right now. I really don't know. Las Vegas Raiders 13, Arizona Cardinals 14, and the Cleveland Browns at 15. Cleveland's too high. Indianapolis Colts at 16. Never mind. Cleveland's high. <laughs> 49ers at 17, Chargers Aww. at 18, Panthers 19, Dolphins at 20. Wait, why is it all so low? Aren't they like 5 and 1 or whatever? Or like, aren't they like 4 and 2? Who, the Dolphins? Yeah. They're three and three. And Tua, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, but I'm going to attempt to say it anyway. Tagaviola entered the game uh, last week. Did you, did you know that got him a starting job now? Good for him. Who's picking him no. up in the league? Terrible. Why, why is Ryan Fitzpatrick not the starter? Yeah, why did they replace him? That's, that's what I don't understand. Tua, Tua threw two passes, and they're like, you know what? Ryan, <laughs> you know what? It's you. time. It's time. Ryan, Ryan, thank you for your what? Thank you for your twelfth touchdown and leading us to a division, leading us to like a division victory here. We're leading the division, but you know what? We're gonna go with the kid. <laughs> um, why? Why they do that? Uh, what? Well, I mean, regular. Let me take a look at his numbers real quick. What he did? He has some decent numbers. He's been balling. He has four. Uh, <laughs> Four touchdowns and five interceptions. But what did he do against the Jets? This, this doesn't show their stats against the Jets. I don't know. Whatever. All I know is he's in YPS 12 touchdowns. He's their number one in the division. Broncos 21, Lions 22. Terrible team. I don't Eagles. know why we go there. Eagles. <laughs> why, what, what are we doing down here? What, what are you, what are you, you don't even care about these teams. I, I'm laughing right now because the best team in the NFC East is ranked 23rd, Philadelphia Eagles at 23 at 1-4-1, and one. the Texans at 24, the Falcons at 25, the Dallas Cowboys uh, are sinking, 26, oh my they're god. 26, they're 26, but they, they, they own the division at 2-3. Two and, at two and three. Oh my god. Yeah, they're two and three. They're the, the division leaders. Jesus. The Vikings at 27. The Bengals at 28. Wow. The New York Giants are at 29. Too, too high. Washington football team at 30. Jacksonville Jaguars 31. And the dumpster fire that is the New York Jets at 32. Uh, we, don't, we don't need that. The, the Giants need to be 32. So we can get that first round pick. Need it. I heard on sports radio this morning. I think it was one hundred one point nine FM. That one of the guys said that you gotta you gotta believe that someone in that front office is thinking. You know what? 
to ensure that we go 0-16 and get the number one pick, let's keep Adam Gase as the head coach for the rest of the year. I hate them. <laughs> I hate the Jets. They're so stupid. <laughs> Sorry, I had to cut myself off for a minute. I'm eating a panini, but they are so dumb. They <laughs> traded away. They had three traded away or, or let their best players walk out. Robbie Anderson left. Jamal Adams, fucking one of the best players that the Jets will have in the recent memory, traded. Le'Veon Bell, they didn't even do anything with him. They signed him. He was probably the best two-way running back, or rather uh, dual threat, whatever they call it, running back. Now, even after missing that one year, and they did absolutely nothing with him. And then they fucking, not only do they not use him, but they let him walk for literally nothing. He was, they fucking released him. They're so stupid. I don't usually get aggravated about the Jets. You guys know me. I say it all the time. Football is not on my higher. Uh, it's not up there in terms of the sports that I watch often or that I really care about. But these are some dumbass moves by the Jets. And I don't understand how they're allowing Adam Gase, who not only is he just a bad head coach, he just had some bad luck, but he's just the calling. He doesn't have any, does nothing. The dude does absolutely nothing. And tell me if I'm wrong there. He just doesn't do shit. Well, he makes matters worse. That's for sure. He, I, even though Peyton Manning swore by him and suggested him, um, I got to think that Peyton may have been throwing back a few uh, brewskis. Because yeah. this guy, he just ain't it. I mean, I, does Trevor Lawrence solve the problem? No. No. He doesn't. Okay, good. Literally nothing. That's just, I, like, the fact that they had to release Le'Veon Bell to get rid of him because no one was willing to trade for him because they knew <laughs> that the Jets were going to have to release him. And the Jets actually released him? Look it. I'm looking at this now on my phone. I took a picture of it the other day. Adam Gase's total offense in the last five years. And whether he was an offensive coordinator or the head coach. The 15 with the Bears, he was the offensive coordinator. 21st, 16, 17, 18, head coach with the Dolphins. 24, 25th, 31st. Last year, last, 32nd with the Jets. This year, 31st. How the hell could you possibly say have a job? Not only as just an offensive coordinator, but a head coach. When you are putting up these kind of numbers, unless this is the sixth year that it's going to be terrible like this. So why did Peyton Manning suggest him? Did he work with Peyton Manning? I forgot. Mm-hmm. I think he was somewhere with them with the Broncos. Yeah, let me look up real quick. Adam Gase. There's just something, something ain't right. Remember when he was hired and they showed like the big old eyes that Gase had? Yeah, at that point, I knew something's not right. At that point, we knew. It's like I'm looking at the image right now with his eyes like wide open on his Wikipedia page. It's hilarious. That's his Wikipedia page profile with his big ass eyes. Uh, You could just imagine like looking at it now. You're just thinking that, oh, boy, this team doesn't know what I'm going to do to them. Oh, mama mia. Jesus Christ. Coaching career. He's been he's been everywhere. Michigan State, LSU, Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos, Chicago Bears, Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. All I got to say, there's a lot of losers there. Yeah, well, you know what? It was that one Super Bowl with the Broncos where Peyton Manning had a fucking ridiculous year. Six years ago. What did the 49ers do in 2008? Uh, didn't they go to the NFC? No, that was two years after that. The NFC conference. I don't think they were that good. 2008. The 49ers were seven and nine. Yeah, they, they made the conference championship after Gase left. Those two years and then the Super Bowl. He was an offensive assistant coach for the 49ers. Denver Broncos. He was the offensive coordinator for the Broncos under John Fox. That had Peyton Manning. And had the most ridiculous year he's ever had. Right. Then he goes to Chicago Bears. Offensive coordinator. And that's when I started reading off his offensive ratings. They were terrible. Yeah. What a mistake. Oh, Jesus. This guy is running off the coattails of having Peyton Manning 
as a player on his team that just went off as a QB. That's all that happened. Seven years ago. That's what we're talking about. That's Peyton what he's Manning, doing. One really good year with the Broncos seven years ago. So do you think any team would have a general manager that is drinking enough whiskey that decides I'm going to bring back Adam Gase? Well, the Jets did and the Jets are doing it now. They're not You're letting him go. I'm saying, I'm saying after he's fired, think about oh. that for the second, the, the Jets franchise decided to keep Adam Gase before. Yeah. Like before getting rid of Le'Veon Bell, they kept him instead. I really don't know, man. He's got to have some really dirty secrets on on higher ups in the Jets organization, man. There's just no way. It doesn't make any sense. Well, he looks like the type that would look at his eyes. He just looks like the type where it's like, I know some stuff. Yeah, I know something about you guys. I know. It, just, some it, it really doesn't make sense to me how I found it that this guy still has a job. I just it can't fathom it. Oh, you not know only- Adam Gase has beef. No, Adam Gase has dirt on Peyton Manning. He's got it. That's what it is. He has dirt on Peyton Manning, and Peyton is forced to advocate for him. Otherwise, Gase is going to release some some shit. He's going to release some you shit. You know what I think it is, man? I don't even think it's just Adam Gase. It's got to be the ownership, too. Something's got to be where it's like, why are we favoring this guy? Why are we favoring Adam Gase over fucking all-pro safety, the best player you'll have this decade? Uh, dual threat, all pro running back and a pretty good wide receiver and a fucking position that you have zero talent on. Zero. They have yeah, Bradshaw. Be a, what's it? What's it? Uh, a culture problem with that Perryman? locker room. Yeah. Who would they draft? Who was that wide receiver they drafted? Denzel Mims? Like, what are they doing? They had a decent wide receiver in Robbie Anderson. You know, Denzel Mims, guy hasn't use played him. yet. <laughs> they just didn't know how to guy's use finally going to play this week. I'm just reading now. Could make his debut for the Jets in week seven. Not like it matters anymore. You know, but there's hope for him too, this guy. But I just can't fathom why you'd get rid of your two best players. Two best players by far. Sam Donald has no help, so he hasn't really been able to do much. No offensive <laughs> line. No weapons on offense. Right, no um, skills players, and you just you're gonna let him. You're gonna either waste another year of him, or you're gonna trade him for uh, fucking draft picks and and bullshit players, so you can draft Trevor Lawrence as if that's gonna. No, 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 no. We're not getting Trevor Lawrence because the Giants are getting Trevor Lawrence. No, I don't know. Right now, the Jets, the Giants won a game, so right now, yeah, I don't know. I don't think the Giants gonna be able to get Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, the Giants, the Giants like Daniel Jones. No, we don't. The Giants. I don't know about the fans. The, the, the Giants teams. don't like Daniel Jones. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. I don't know, man. Are you saying no, that because you're just saying that, or you really think that way? Nah, nah. We really don't like Daniel Jones. We don't like anything. We don't, mm, mm, mm. The fake with Saquon hurt now. We're, look, we're really looking into the future. We got. We're thinking about, you know, what we're gonna do, and what we're gonna do is get rid of Daniel Jones, who left the third interception, and get Trevor Lawrence in there. Go turn over the ball, play some games. Not if the Jets have anything to say about it. Uh, no, don't worry. don't worry. Listen, the Jets watch you guys winning like four games straight at the end of the season. Watch. Yeah, How? something stupid like that. How are the Jets gonna yeah, they're gonna they're gonna mess it up that way. They're gonna become a good team at the end of the year and screw up. Oh boy. Oh my god. All right, let's uh did we talk basketball at all? Like the finals and the Lakers winning? Did I miss that segment? Because I was grading tests. I, mean, I think you missed that episode. You missed that episode. I missed that whole episode. Right. Yeah, that was last week. I'm like, I knew we had to talk about it at yeah, some it's point. Like, it's October 20th. I missed that whole that whole episode. <laughs> you had the audacity to say in a text message earlier today in a group chat, you go, I'm world famous on Digger for three. You haven't been on an episode in a couple of weeks. One one episode I missed. One, no. one or two. No, no, no. I've, I've done two episodes with Chris Scott. <laughs> All right. So listen, I'm still world famous. They they know me. They're waiting for the comeback right now. Um, Did we want to bring up what we were talking about earlier in the week, Emmanuel, about the um the money? Nah, not, not, not yet. Not yet. Let's do more research on that. We need, Leah. we need Leah for that. Yeah. We need Leah to talk about that. She, she's a, 
It's a good voice to have. All right, let's do closing comments and wrap it up. Who wants to go first? Well, same with Bernardo. You want to go well, later, or you want to go first? All right. Well, I haven't really thought of a closing comment. I'm usually good at these, and I just drag them out for 15 minutes. But there is some hope at the end of the tunnel with the Steve Cullen purchase. There's one step closer. Um, who knows exactly what he's going to do? It doesn't really mean, you know, as soon as he walks in, he's going to buy Lindor with trades. He's going to buy Bauer. He's going to buy Real Muto. I don't think that's going to happen, but there is some sort of hope. And it's just better than, than how we felt in the last few years. So I'm um, rooting for a good World Series. Uh, if I had to pick, I'd say Dodgers in six. I just think the Dodgers are too good. They got these superstars that are playing on superstar levels in the postseason. And they just, they're too deep everywhere. The Rays, they have it all. They have the same, you know, they, they've really been putting up these good numbers. They have these no-name guys who have been hitting well. But I think on the big stage, the Dodgers are finally going to get their World Series. So, Emmanuel, you could be happy. Yeah. We're, we're going to win the chip this year, so. You want me to go next or you want to go? Oh, I'll go. Um, Dodgers are going to win. Um the Giants are going to lose every game. We want to get Trevor Lawrence. Um, if the Steelers can make the play, make the AFC Championship, that'd be pretty lit. And um, you know, uh, oh, there's a lot of craziness going on in Africa. So just keep Africa in your mind because this is a lot of Nigeria lot of specifically, right? No, not, not. I wish it was only Nigeria. It's just Nigeria, the Congo. Just a lot of stuff is going on in Africa right now. So I thought I saw there was a news story about Nigeria with um. Some military well, leader killing innocents. Yeah, well, the, the, Niger- the Nigerian one, the Nigerian one, is getting a lot of attention. But like, as a Nigerian myself, I I knew about that, and then like I saw some other stuff. It was like just like just the Congo, the stuff is happening in the Congo. Like a lot of every everywhere that happens right now, stuff happening. So just be on the lookout for that. Is it COVID related? No, it's it's just like African stuff. Like just I I wish it was COVID. It's like. Stuff in the like, like stuff. If you got any material for me to read into it, can you text it to me? I'm, I'm actually very curious. Sure. I, I, I'll find some stuff. I'll, I'll Solid. We talk about more than just sports here. We got minds. <laughs> we smart. As far as my pick for the World Series, I'm going for the Rays. You sound like a hater. I'm going really? for the Rays. Really? Like what you thought that? I'm going for the Rays. You know why? Because Clayton Kershaw is going to choke twice. Okay. You, you truly sound like a hater. Clayton yeah. Kershaw is going to choke twice. That's two wins for the Rays right off the bat. They make Rays just have to win. Haterade, apparently. Rays just have to mm-hmm. win two more after that, and they have the roster do it. Haterade. What, what have the Dodgers have to de- deal with? The, the, the Rays haven't had a cakewalk. They had to go through the Yankees, who had the first highest payroll in baseball. Now they got got to go up against the Dodgers with the second highest payroll in baseball. They could beat them too. Hey, hey do we not just have a three-one comeback or three? I don't understand. That's a they, they did totally have a three-one comeback. That's true. You know what? You're right. And you know what? The, on paper and 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 based off of logic and based off of everything, the Dodgers are the better team on paper. But you know what? The Rays are underrated, and they continue to prove everyone wrong. This is a true battle of the low budget versus the high budget. Hollywood versus Tampa Bay. This is about Tampa. This is Hollywood versus Tampa. And Tampa Bay, their stadium isn't even in Tampa Bay. That's how cheap they are. We're going to find out. We're, we're going to find out. I'm going for the Rays in this one. Do I think the Dodgers can win? Absolutely. But you know what? I'm just going to root for the Rays to win. That's what I'm going for. Okay? Hope you guys are happy. Shake up a little bit. Do something. I'm happy you know you're a hater. Yep. Hater. Big time hater. All right. So we're going to close it out. Follow us on social media at Dinger for Three. If you know us personally, you could text us questions. If you want to be in the show, you can submit a request to one of us. We like talking to new faces and new people. I'll send you the big Zoom link. It'll be cool. But we appreciate you guys listening. Share the show. 
rate us, subscribe, all that fun jazz. We'll be back at it again next week when, when we have a World Series winner. And for Emmanuel Bobawati and Michael Bernard and Bernardo, I am Chris Scott. This is Dinger for Three. And we are out of here. 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 Yeah, I did that. <laughs> <laughs>